When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back in, all of you beautifully wonderful people, to the newest episode of Spicier Than Therapy, the podcast where we talk about polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, BDSM, kink, communication, and all of the wonderful things that we think go into making a healthy, loving relationship. Yes, indeed. Hey, twin, what are we going to be doing this evening? The same thing we do every day, my love. Try to take over the interwebs. Yes, indeed. And it is very good to have a twin back. If you've been following along with the podcast episodes, you know that she was out last week and you had to listen to me wax philosophical for 45 minutes. But it's so much better when she is here to talk with me. Yeah, you did a great job though by yourself, honey. You you sounded fantastic and I loved that episode. Plus, our listeners seem to like it too, which is always a plus. Absolutely. I mean, we talked about mentoring within the BDSM and kink world, which I think is probably, to me, the second most important topic that we've talked about in relation to kink, uh, vetting being the absolute number one for me. But mentoring is one that's very, very close to my heart. So I appreciate all of y'all tagging along with me. Twins feeling much, much better this week. Um, but I wanted to let you know that we are coming to the end of our second season of Spicier Than Therapy, and I'm very excited about that. That's right. So before we jump into our podcast episode for today, we wanted to do just a couple, make a couple quick housekeeping notes for you all, starting with the fact that, as Tier mentioned, this is going to be the end of season two, sort of. We're going to be doing this episode in two parts, similar to how we've done it in the past with interviews, so that we can actually put out a slightly shorter episode instead of 45 minutes to an hour. We're going to try to shoot for about 20 to 30 minutes. And we wanted to know if you guys prefer that format, if you like it a little shorter and and more in-depth versus longer and we cover more topics. We want to hear from you. So just let us know in our Discord, on TikTok, however you decide to get a hold of us, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Or you can just reach out to us at spicierthantherapy at gmail.com. We don't get many people emailing us just yet because it's a brand new account, but uh, everybody seems to be very comfortable contacting us via Discord and TikTok. So if you're more comfortable with that, feel free to do that. But yeah, we're very excited about today's episode. You know, we've kind of been covering a lot of different topics in season two of spicier than therapy but really the main theme of this season 
has been BDSM and kink, and we are ending this season on BDSM and kink. So we've talked about lots of different things. We've done, you know, BDSM 101 through 104. This is BDSM 105, wherein we're going to talk about switches. We've talked about DOMs and subs and switches a little bit in our definition episode, but we're going to be diving in deep to switches in this episode. That's right. And I am so, so glad that we were able to actually uh, reach out to those of you that are on our Discord to get our questions for this episode. So I'm really excited about this one, actually. And we thought it was important to cover this ground because, you know, a lot of what we've talked about before is my experiences as a dom and twins experiences as a sub but as we've mentioned in previous episodes twin is actually a switch and it's going to be really interesting for us to dive a little bit deeper into this mindset and some of the switch practices that she has experienced in the bdsm and kink world so we have our own little subject matter expert in-house in twin peaks that's right. And I'm going to throw out just a quick disclaimer here at the start of things so that there's no negative nans later on. Y'all, I'm going to be speaking from my experience, my opinions, and my personal thoughts, feelings, and take on things. My statement, my the way that I switch is not the only way to do it. It is not the right way to do it. A lot of people do things differently, and that's okay. We all kink our own way. So with that said, what is a switch? Switch in BDSM is somebody who can go from a, a dominant mindset to a submissive mindset, depending on the circumstances of the scene, the dynamic, the environment, Anything like that. There, there are a multitude of reasons why somebody might switch from being more dominant to being more submissive. It could come down to which environment you're in, what partner you're with, what other people you're around, what kind of day you had at work. It could be any reason. So there's, again, like no right or wrong way to switch. Absolutely. And we've talked in previous episodes about, you know, how we're all unique and dynamic people so you're not going to be one thing all of the time and we touched a little bit on this for me being different types of dom depending on what mood i'm in or what dynamic i'm in or the specific person that i am in a relationship with or in a scene with so the same sort of logic and mentality is at play here except for the person is able to go between both a dominant mindset and a submissive mindset, sometimes even in you know the course of, a, of the same scene. I have seen people be submissive during the uh, start of a scene, and then when another person entered in a pre-negotiated manner, they took over dom duties and were able to switch very quickly. Now, that's not as common, but I've seen it happen. Well, hell, I've switched with you from dominant to submissive and back a few times just in our own 
spicy times. Absolutely. And again, we all have different moods and different scenarios where we're going to feel differently. And, you know, specifically while Twin is, you know, kind of exploring more of her dominant side and learning more, you know, about high protocol and things like that, it's been wonderful to see from my perspective having her go from that submissive mindset when she and i are you know either in a scene or just you know having like cuddly time to being able to switch that up and explore more of that dominant energy it's been really wonderful absolutely and something i want to say really quickly is if you are a switch and you're listening you need to remember that the people, the partners that you have, whether they're dominant, submissive, whatever, who allow you to maybe play with them outside of a role that they're typically comfortable with, like, you know, not many people, we don't really talk about this that much, but Tyr is a dom who occasionally lets me top him. Now, I use those two words very specifically. I'm not his dom in any way, shape, or form. I don't dominate him. I top him in a scene in spicy times because he trusts me enough to let me do so. And that is something that I hold very precious and very dear. And I would urge any other switches out there who have that sort of scenario in place, whether their person is submitting to them and allowing them to top or you as the switch are comfortable enough to dominate someone regardless of whatever role you take on you need to remember that whoever is going outside of their comfort zone is gifting you with that they are trusting you with that and that is something that you need to take seriously Absolutely. And and specifically, there is that trust and that level of, you know, honesty and feedback that we give each other that I very, very much enjoy. I've never subbed for anyone. And I generally don't ever let anyone top me, but it's safe to do so with twin. And even if we're looking at it from an educational standpoint, you know, if you're going through training and trying to expand your own uh, knowledge or experiences within the lifestyle, you gotta have some, you know, hands-on practice, so to speak. And, you know, what better way to practice than with someone that you love and trust and have that deep connection with that can not only enjoy it in the moment, but also provide feedback. You know, you did this well, or you may want to consider changing up this angle a bit or things like that. So it's it's been really, really good. Yes. And just as a reminder, if you did not listen to the episode before where we talked about the difference in these definitions, please go do so. It's poly 101, DOM BDSM 101. Um, we went into the full definitions, but just as a quick refresher, y'all, there is a difference between being a DOM and being a top. And there's a difference between being a sub and being a bottom. Just because you are a top or a bottom for a scene does not mean that you are a DOM or a sub in your everyday life. So again, we go over those differences way more in another episode. Go back, have fun, find it, listen to it, and uh, educate yourself on it. 
So our first question isn't really a question. It comes from one of our dear friends in the Discord, Atomic Blonde. Shout out to you if you're listening, Sarah. Um, and it was talking about navigating uh, the, that personal switch mindset. So for you, Twin, for your switch mindset, what generally triggers it for you? So for me, because of just who I am as a person, I tend to have a very um, dominant personality and a shock to no one i'm sure i don't really think about it this way but i've been told i'm intimidating and that i sort of just exude this very like intimidating in charge bad bitch aura if you've ever seen me rocking one of my unicorn onesies here in the house with like my squishmallows i would not um, accuse me of being intimidating but i guess that's the thing because for me, there's a difference between getting into like my top dominant, um, top or dominant, I should say, persona versus like my everyday versus like when I'm more submissive and bottom energy. So I've seen you at work, right? I've gone to visit you at work and you do exude that very, you know, top, very D type energy <laughs> because that's actually part of your job. That's part of, like you said, that persona that you put on at work. And it's not so much that you're putting on a persona that very much is your energy when you're dealing with like the general public or with customers at work. Now you mentioned kind of more of a submissive energy mindset and attitude at home. So what kind of triggers that change? So like for you, think about, you know, you've gone to work one night and you're coming home and it's early in the morning and you're, you're, you're getting, you're leaving that energy of very D type, very dominant energy and you're coming home. What's the trigger for you for that switch? Because when you walk in the door, you're not still in that, you know, HBIC energy. Well, so a big part of it comes from, and this is something that I actually talked with my therapist back in Memphis. Hey, Risha, um, for the 15th time. <laughs> That's your new like shout out. Right. I know. I love her. So for me, I think the biggest difference is because of what I do for a living, both being a dancer, being a burlesque performer. Um, etc. and so forth, the many hats that I wear, I sort of compartmentalize my personalities and my energies anyway, just by default. So for me, when I'm in that hard and heavy Dom headspace, I'm Ember, you know, the girl at the club who was like, that's a bad bitch, and I will step on you and you will like it, and you will thank me for it, and you will tip me for it. Like that's where that comes from. And it's like a completely different facet of my personality. Um, the way that my therapist and I, or the way I described it to my therapist was that it's kind of like when you have the facets of a jewel, right? When you see a, a well-cut diamond or something, right? And you have all these different sides and they're all sparkly. They're all beautiful, but each facet is just a little teeny tiny different. And for me, it's very much like that. My Dom energy is, you know, for just, just to help give you guys a frame of reference, when I'm at the club as Ember or even as Twin, if I'm dancing in Memphis, I'm more dominant because I have to be as a security measure for myself, both physically and mentally and emotionally, you know? 
I have to be in charge. Like I have to, because I can't afford to let a client be in charge of me. It's just, it's not going to happen because then I am putting myself in danger physically or otherwise. So I have to retain that tight level of control. Do I make it fun and sexy and smoldery? Obviously, but it's not something that I can afford to lose a grasp of. That said, going back to the safety aspect, when I come home, I can just be me. You know, I can just be the tears little. I can be myself, my true self, and just, which is ultimately submissive. I'm more of a bottom. Do I still have days where I'm feeling a little feisty because, you know, I got a wild hair up my ass? Of course. But ultimately, like when I'm with the right partner and in the right space where I can feel safe enough to be vulnerable, that's where my submissive bottom energy comes out. It's for me a vulnerability that I don't show or give to a lot of people. And that goes back to like what I was saying earlier, where switches we have to, you know, hold our responsibility as like very precious to us. Your partners should hold your vulnerability very precious to them as well. That is an excellent, excellent way to put that. And I'm curious now that we're talking about it, I've seen you perform burlesque, you know, a bunch of times as well. Would you say that when you're not at the club and you're doing burlesque performances as twin, is that more of a dom energy or a sub energy or is it its own thing entirely? So the way I think of it is Ember is a dom, right? Twin is a top. She is the one that she's a bad bitch and you're welcome. She exists. But ultimately, you know, she's not like, you know, she's soft and squishy on the inside. I want as twin, as a burlesque performer to be soft and squishy and approachable. When I'm a dom, I want people to be afraid to approach me because then if I approach them, they see it as a boon, as a blessing. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. And thank you for answering in that way. Because like, you know, you and I have had in-depth conversations about a lot of this, but even as we're here on this podcast, discussing it with, you know, a bunch of our favorite listeners and friends, we're getting into aspects that we even haven't discussed uh, personally with each other. And so like earlier this year, as you've been exploring more of your switch side and really kind of going from you know, that Dom headspace out of necessity and out of safety to, uh, Hey, I kind of like this. You started looking for your first sub earlier this year and started, you know, vetting people and things like that. How is that different? How, how is that energy different for you as opposed to the Dom energy that you exude when you're at work? So for me, I think, okay, I got to, I have to do like a little sidebar again. I know shocking, right? I had to do a sidebar to kind of explain where I realized that I was a switch. And it was like in my early 20s. So 21 years old, I started working for Kati Ugly up in Memphis. And that was where I realized that I really enjoy messing with people. I really enjoy 
telling people to lick my boot, to get naked, to get, you know, faster than this other group of guys, because the first one down to their skivvies gets a free shot, or you're going to run around the bar without your pants on. And these women are going to beat you with belts because we caught you taking upskirt photos. And now you have to run around the bar yelling, I'm a nasty boy while they beat you. Like that was the kind of shit that I did working at Cody Ugly. It was all consensual. By the way, I always made sure I had consent. Even then, I was very proud of myself. Held that one in high regard. So that was where I realized that I really enjoyed being in charge, right? Like being a top. But even then, like once I left work, I was so exhausted, like in ways that some of my other coworkers, when I would talk to them, weren't. And it was because I was putting so much energy into being this top when I had no outlet for my submissive side. And I didn't realize this until much, much later, right? So all of that to say, when I started looking into getting potentially getting a sub earlier this year because I had somebody at the club approach me and ask if I would be interested in doing so. I was a little taken aback because I've never had a sub before. But also again, it was one of those things that like I really held very important to me. Cause just personally, especially I think because I submit so rarely to anybody. I do see submission as a, like a true, like blessing, if you will. I know it sounds corny, but you know, and so for me to be approached by somebody looking to submit to me, I was like, like truly submit. Um, it was surprising in a good way, but it was also I don't know. It was very overwhelming in a sense because it was my first time being approached. But it was also really cool because that was the first time that I really like realized like, oh, wow, like people would actually like truly pay for this. Not just like uh, not just for a topping experience at the club or at the bar or whatever, which is what I've been used to for over a decade, right? Because I've had tons of people that are like, oh, I want you to degrade me, or oh, I want you to spank me, or oh, I want you to do this, 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 this at the club, where it's like basically pickup play, right? This was the first person that was like genuinely interested in having me as a long-term sub or dom, excuse me. And so... It was very, like, I had to take a second, you know, and talk to Tier about, like, what is, what is the difference here? Like, what is this going to do? What is this going to mean? And unfortunately, it didn't pan out just because they weren't as committed to the idea as they thought they were. So that hasn't really been an issue since then, which is also okay, honestly, because just to be totally frank with you guys, I don't know if I'm ready to be somebody's dom much less if I would want to, because I can barely keep my own life together. I don't know if I would want to be responsible for someone else's, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And we had lots of in-depth conversation about, you know, what that looks like, what being a dominant to someone 
looks like both in a dynamic um, perspective as well as from like a pro-dom perspective. And so it was lots of really, really great conversations. And we learned a lot, you know, kind of about ourselves and we learned, uh, you know, a good bit about herself and that energy and what she's really looking for when it comes to a DS dynamic. Now, one of the things that I'm curious about, Twin, this is not an official question on the Discord, um, but, you know, and I'll kind of caveat this question or preempt this question a bit with, you know, one of the things that we enjoy so much about how much exposure we've gotten from TikTok, Discord, and this podcast is the community of like-minded people that has been built up around it. And so we have lots of other people that are involved in the BDSM and kink world. Some are educators, some are pro-doms, some are pro-subs. I mean, we have lots of like a myriad of different types of people there. So with that community exposure and learning what you've been learning over the past year or so, how has that changed your either view or experiences as a switch? I mean, it's definitely deepened my understanding of things i mean just being around you like and especially because we are what i guess would be associated with like new guard philosophy um it's all pretty much stuff that i had more or less just sort of deemed as rules for myself anyway just as far as like consent is sexy and don't do anything that you're not comfortable with and communication is key and you know, these things like that along those lines. So for me, it was a lot like um, realizing kind of where I land on the uh, rainbow spectrum, if you will, on the Kenzie scale. I like, you know, I, I knew for years that I was bi. And then I realized that I'm pansexual. So that encompasses everything, right? So for me, with what I've learned over this past year, it's really helped me kind of fine tune and narrow into what my particular little chunk of the sliding scale between dom and sub looks like um because i i've known for years that i was a switch i've told people for years that i was a switch but now i'm realizing more about why i switch and what scenarios make me feel comfortable enough to go from what is predominantly a dominant personality and mindset to someone who feels safe enough to be submissive. That's a really, really wonderful answer. And thank you for, for doing that. And, and again, we have learned so much from so many people uh, that have become a part of our community and can't thank you all enough. So our next question actually comes from a combination of two questions that kind of talked about the same thing. One from Lissa and one from Queen Nerdlet. They're talking about switching with the same partner, right? And specifically, if you are an S-type to someone in a 24-7 dynamic, and then Queen Nerdlet was like, all right, well, if you're in that dynamic, is there a way to articulate that bratting isn't really topping from the bottom as long as your partner knows it's a switch. It's kind of like a twofold little question in there. But overall, they're asking, what about switching with the same partner? So for me, okay, I'm going to have to answer this in two parts here. So for me, switching with the same partner, particularly, 
Tyr, my wonderful loving husband here, it's me. <laughs> is a lot easier, honestly, because he sees me in all my forms, right? He sees me at the club when I'm, you know, big dom energy. He sees me when I'm twin, where I'm slightly squishy top energy. And he sees me at home when I'm in little mode. So he knows what all of those different facets look like and sort of knows how to navigate them a little bit better than even I do sometimes, frankly. So he's gotten really good at um, understanding kind of where my headspace is when we get into a scene or a situation, whether it's spicy or kinky or otherwise, or even if it's just a vanilla scene, you know, we, he's gotten really good at figuring out which headspace I'm kind of sitting in to the point where he's called me out for being in little headspace when I didn't even realize I was. So in that regard, it makes it easier. But the thing with that is just understanding that you have to communicate and you have to be able to build your own vocabulary to be able to communicate. Again, like I said, there's been days where I didn't even realize that I was in little space, but Tear figured it out because I was doing a particular little motion with my hands that I do when I'm feeling particularly little, or he'll notice that I'm feeling more top heavy <laughs> when I'm just a little extra grabby and growly and dippy and, you know, a little more primal, you know, things like that. Um, and that just comes down to understanding your partner, communicating with your partner and really building that trust in each other and how you communicate. That's a wonderful point. And that's why, you know, we always talk about discussing with your partner what kind of headspace they're in, even before you're just having sex, right? Like, what are you in the mood for tonight? Because there is a big difference between a twin feeling and a primal mood where we're going to, you know, grr and rough it out with each other. Or when I can tell that she actually wants to get some of that top or dom energy out. Like, prime example, we ordered uh, new floggers and new dragon tails and new sorts of accoutrement for us to use. And she was so excited to try out her new flogger. If I wouldn't have noticed that, and if I wouldn't have asked her what type of mood she was in, I may not have been able as her dumb to meet the needs of like, hey, I got this new toy. I want to try it out, right? But this is why it's so important to communicate effectively with your partner. And like Twin said, know them inside and out so that you can recognize subtle shifts in mood, movement, body language, whatever, to recognize what headspace they are in. Now, admittedly, the whole thing about recognizing like nuance, body, facial, emotional communication, things like that, that also ties into the fact that I am heavily neurodivergent. Um, so sometimes my verbal communication may not be there. And so Tyr has gotten really, really good. And I'm very thankful for this. He's gotten very good at picking up on the nonverbal communication, right? And that's why it is so important to understand 
you know, I'm going to kind of gloss over a question from Kenobi here because I want to get it more in depth, but I wanted to touch on it real quick. You know, it is very important to understand how your neurodiversity, whatever niche it is, if you have it, affects how you communicate because that's going to be a play a big part in that aspect of it, right? Case in point, bratting versus uh, topping from the bottom, right? So for me personally, I would say that in a scene, specifically in a scene, there isn't a whole lot of difference in bratting versus topping from the bottom. It kind of depends on what your intent is. Like me, I have a constant smart mouth. I I just, it doesn't ever stop. So me being a brat, just because it is so intrinsically who I am, it it just is. That's me. That's how I talk. (laughs) That is how I speak to Tear is I will give him shit constantly, even mid-scene. I may not be trying to talk from the bottom. That may be the result, but that's not my intention behind it, right? So I think that's a big part of it is like, what is your intent behind what's being said or done? Now, has there been times where I have bratted and I have absolutely been trying to get him to do the thing that he threatened to do? Yes, absolutely. But that kind of ties in. So I would say you know, kind of like umbrella term here, right? I would say that not all, and I, and if you, if you have a difference of opinion, please let me know in the discord. I would love to hear your arguments either way here. But for me personally, just because if I know how I do things, I would say that not all bratting is topping from the bottom, right? But all topping from the bottom is a form of bratting. What do you think, honey? I mean, yes and no. I kind of agree with that, but I have uh, a lot more kind of nuanced uh, mm-hmm. opinions on bratting itself. Again, y'all know I love me a good brat, as is evident mm-hmm. by mine and twins' relationship as she chuckles in the background over there. But yeah, I mean, I get where you're trying to go with that. And really, you know, kind of the question that came from Queen Nerdlet on, you know, having your partner understand that you're not trying to top from the bottom. You're maybe just switching mindsets mid-scene. Okay, that's understandable. And that's when that needs to be communicated. Now, in a 24-7 dynamic, if something switches like that mid-scene and it's not pre-negotiated, that's when you kind of need to take a pause. And when you need to back away for a second and start having that conversation, even if it's in in a marriage, when that energy changes, when that energy switches and those mindsets change, you need to be prepared to discuss it right then and there, unless you've already pre-negotiated a switch during the scene. Yeah, and that's true. And again, that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about like intent, right? Because for me personally, I I think too, I'm thinking of like a different, you and I are thinking of a different version of topping from the bottom, right? Like I was thinking more of like being a brat and doing the thing, you know, like, you know, like when you tell me to, you know, do a thing and I 
blatantly don't do the thing because I know it'll get me a schmack in. How's that work out for you? Exactly how I want it to, which is the entire point. And that's kind of what I was saying is, you know, like if that's my end goal, if my punishment is the end goal, then in a way I am topping from the bottom in the way I think of it. And in the way you're talking about, you're talking about somebody truly topping from the bottom. So I guess it kind of just depends on, you know, case in point, this back and forth right here of like, what do you each mean by topping from the bottom? What is the intent behind whatever mischief you're making? Are you just trying to get your punishment or are you actually trying to top? Because again, case in point, this little back and forth, that little difference in communication and thought behind just that phrase can make a world of difference in how that conversation is going to go between you and your partner. Very, very good point. And we're coming up on time for this first part of our deep dive into switches within the BDSM world. But I want to end on this question from August from the Discord, because I think it feeds right in to what we've been talking about this episode. And then we'll continue the rest of the discussion and the questions in part two of this. But they want to know, what is Switch Headspace like? Because they've only ever been a submissive and they're curious about what the headspace is like for people that can exist in both headspaces. So what is Switch Headspace like for you, Twit? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know how helpful this answer will be. There's not really one headspace. It's more, it's just kind of um, an existence. It's more like I sort of just, it's not like I, I hmm. ooh, this is hard. Like, <laughs> It's sort of like turning the volume up and down on a radio for me. So, you know, and on the on the quiet end, right, is my submissive, my bottom energy. That's the one where I just shut up and do what I'm told because I can, right? And then on the loud end is where I have to be the one in charge and I'm the bad bitch on the block and you aren't going to tell me nothing. Being a switch is sort of like just constantly living in that mid-range area where it's not too loud, but it's not too quiet. And you just kind of be bopping along. And sometimes, you know, depending on the situation, you might be a little louder. Sometimes you might be a little quieter. But you're not typically at either far end of the dial. You're just in the middle. And that's, I mean, that's like most things in my life, honestly, my personality and who I am. I just kind of ride along in the middle and then just wherever I'm feeling that day is where I'm at that day. And it could even be, you know, that evening, that morning, it could, it can switch pretty damn quick. Like sometimes the power is off and there is nothing going on. Or sometimes we are rocking out and you are not turning us down and fuck it, we're going past the curfew and we'll pay the fine. Woo! You know, a la Garth Brooks. Like, it's just kind of, it's not really a, a headspace so much. It's just like 
like I said, it's just a, a turn of the dial would probably be the better f- way to phrase that for me, at least. This actually gives me a very good thought, and it has nothing to do with the BDSM world, but maybe this is similar. In my professional corporate world, I do a lot of like growth and development leadership training, and one of the sections that I lead is on uh, hiring practices for like directors and managers. And I'm always training them to be like, look, if you're looking for someone for a director level position, you need to find someone that can scale their perspective up and down quickly and efficiently. So somebody that can go from a 10,000 foot perspective point of view down to the thousand foot perspective up and down very quickly and very easily. Is that similar kind of to what you're saying, somebody that is able to scale that energy for you, it was more left and right uh, than up and down, but someone is able to scale that energy back and forth, depending on the mood. Is that similar? I mean, maybe the only thing that I would nitpick there is like the easily, because, you know, I mean, you've seen, there's been days where I had a hard time getting into the right headspace for work and my work suffered for it. And there's been days where I had a hard time coming home and getting out of that headspace. And we, you know, kind of came to head because of that. So that's the only thing I would like pick at just a teeny bit is that easily part um, but other than yet, yeah, I could see that. I mean, any sort of like telescoping or, you know, however you want to phrase it is probably accurate. You know, it just depends on the person and whatever analogy they find fits them better. I just go with views and uh, the volume because I'm musically inclined. Okay, excellent. Thank you. I, I kind of was putting that towards one side of my life as you were talking about it, and it made sense to me. But for today's episode, for part one of this deep dive on switches within the BDSM world, that's all the time we have for today. We will be jumping into this conversation again on next week's episode, so you can tune back in and listen to us wax more philosophically about switches within the BDSM world. That's right. And make sure that you have your notifications on for next week, because that will be our actual final episode of the season. We'll also be making some other big announcements that some of you already know about. Um, That is all the singing telegram shit I'm going to do for the day. But uh, yeah, we're going to come back and talk more about switching specifically about like how to boost your confidence as a switch, what kind of tips and tricks I've got for being a switch, things like that. Um, And, you know, if you have any questions that you want to maybe slippity slide on into the discord before we record next week's episode, please do so. We'd love to hear from you because we'll be covering this again eventually at some point, I'm sure. So we want to hear more from you guys and always join us in the discord. Make sure that you hit us up on TikTok and uh, and Instagram, any of our socials really. And of course, as Tier kind of glossed over earlier, we do now have our email available. So you can also email us at spicierthantherapy at gmail.com. So we look forward to seeing you guys. And with that note, be good to yourself, be good to others. Give yourself grace, love, and patience. 
And as always, go out and do some dope shit. Bye. Thank you.